Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining with us for this week's podcast. As per usual, before we begin our time together, I want to take a moment and let you know a bit of what's coming up in our community. This week, our speaker is Sam Seifert, and he's kicking off our new Lent sermon series titled Lament, Repent, Renew. And the best way to know what's going on at Southview is by checking out our weekly viewpoint. And you can find a link to that viewpoint in the episode description of this podcast. Or you can go on Realm, you can join the group Southview Family Updates, and that will make sure you're always getting the weekly viewpoint in your inbox. And if you're new with us here in this digital space, we would love to hear from you. And you can find an online connection card at the bottom of that viewpoint, along with a prayer request form so that we can support and join you in prayer. Additionally, you can always find us on Instagram and Facebook. But now today, no matter how you're joining with us, may each of our hearts be open and expectant because God is here and Jesus invites us to bring all that we are and all that we are currently carrying to him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's seek the face of God together. Psalm 38, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Your arrows have pierced me and your hand has come down on me. Please, because of your wrath here, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are lonesome because of my sin fully. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. All my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighting is not hidden from you. My heart pounds, my strength fails me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stay far away. Those who want to kill me set their traps those who want, who would want to harm me, talk of my ruin. All day long, I scheme and lie. I am, I am like the deaf who cannot hear, like the mute who cannot speak. I have become like one who does not hear, whose mouth can not offer no reply. Lord, I wait for you. You will answer, Lord my God. For I said, do not let them gloat or exalt themselves over me when my feet slip. For I am about to fall and my pain is ever with me. I confess my iniquity. I am troubled by my sin. Many have become my enemies without cause who hate me without reason are numerous. Those who repay my good with evil lodge accusations against me. 
though I only seek to do what is good. Lord, do not forsake me. Do not be far from me. My God, come quickly. Help me, Lord, my Savior. Well, good evening. Welcome here. Good to see you all, and uh, welcome to our grade school kids. Can I get a shout-out from any grade school kids that are here? Oh, yeah, one. Awesome. That's so... Yeah, they, there you go. Another wave. Any more waves? Yeah, you forced your hand. That's great. What a good cousin, right? Yeah, that's awesome. We are so glad that we can have our grade school kids this weekend, uh, Worship Together weekend. And thank you, Levi, for reading. That was awesome. That was so cool. We love having kids here in our community, and this is a communal uh, a journey together, and really the high point of our community gathering time is coming to this communal meal together where we will be fed by Jesus uh, as we come to this table together. And so uh, we're super glad that we can uh, enter into Lent with this uh, kind of uh, setup as we come to the table together uh, today. And you may be wondering, like, what is Lent as we kind of enter into this season? Well, Lent is uh, these 40 days uh, before Easter when we, as Christ followers, sometimes we'll fast and we'll pray. It's just a time where we refocus our lives in our humanity, our mortality, to realize who Jesus is as we come before him in a season of remembrance as we understand what it means to follow him. And so Lent really is a season of, of lament. It's a season of repentance, and it's a season of uh, renewal. And that's what we're calling this series as we enter into uh, this uh, season together. Uh, we're beginning this new teaching series, and we're looking at what does it look like, what does it mean to lament? And so we get the idea of lament from the Hebrew word akina, which means, I love this word, a dirge. Say that out loud. Dirge. That's just kind of a weird word, isn't it? It's a dirge. Or a song of mourning. And uh, if it emphasizes this feeling of sorrow and wailing. And many times it's in the form of a chant or a song. Um, there's a story uh, that's told. I don't, I don't know if it's true or not, but it uh, was uh, from uh, the Times in London in the 1900s. And they posed a question to a bunch of prominent authors uh, in their city. And they said, uh, what's wrong with the world today? And a well-known author, G.K. Chesterton, is said to have responded with one sentence essay, and he said this, Dear Sir, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. And I was uh, driving the other day, and I don't know if you watched Super Bowl last weekend, but Chiefs won. I was happy for that. We got to see uh, a lot of pictures of a, another famous person during that game. I don't know if you watched and you saw if you're a Swifty, you know who I'm talking about. But I was uh, in the car, and I was uh, driving, and I was kind of thinking about this, and this song, Antihero, came on, and it's a famous Swifty song. And uh, I uh, had a couple of pastors that wanted me to sing it, but uh, I, my wife said, please do not do that. Um, but there's uh, the, kind of the chorus, it goes, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. At tea time, everybody agrees I'll stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. It must be exhausting, always rooting for the anti-hero. And so I was driving and I heard that, like, it's me, I'm the problem. And I was thinking about this and I was like, oh, what is she talking about? So I went and looked up and she writes uh, why she wrote this. She says that this song is really a guided tour 
through all the things that she tends to hate about herself. She knows that she's the problem. And by the end, you can hear how exhausted she is from having to admit that she's the problem. It is lament. And that's why Scott Ellington in his book, Risking Truth, says this, Biblical lament at its core is about the threat of a breakdown of relationship between the one praying and his or her covenant partner. And so according to William Saul, an author, he writes, lament is not merely an articulation of unhappiness. Rather, it seeks in the midst of unhappiness to recover communion with God. Which means the language of lament provides words for us to seek to recover in the midst of our anguish and our pain, intimacy with God. And that's what lament is. And that's one of the beauties of the Psalms. The Psalms show us that it's okay to bring our feelings to God. In fact, God wants us to bring all of them to him. And you may have grown up in a church or a Christian home or where, someplace where you've heard, you know what, you need to, you don't bring that stuff to God. No, God invites us to bring everything to him. He knows that we are human and that we are going to mess up. It's not like it's a surprise to God. Whoa, that, that human messed up. Ooh, that really took me by surprise. No, he knows all of this, yet he invites us in. And as we were reminded on Ash Wednesday, if you were a part of our Ash Wednesday service, it's in the mess where God meets us. And he invites us in those places to trust in him. Because we follow a savior who has suffered, who has experienced pain. And because of this, he is able to have compassion and empathy for us in our own suffering, in our own brokenness, in our own doubts, in our own insecurities. Lamenting helps us reinforce our trust and hope in God. But instead of giving in to despair, lamenting reminds us that things will eventually be okay. Even if it's not going to be okay in this life, it will be in the one to come as we read in Revelation chapter 21. Because our hope, as hymn writer Edward Mote writes, is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Even when life feels dark and uncertain, we can find rest in his unchanging grace. So if this is true, then it's important for us to bring back the practice of lamenting in our churches. And that's what we're entering into in this season of Lent. Now, I don't know everything you may be walking through in your own personal life, but I do know some of you are walking through some really challenging stuff. We just, as a staff, every month we pray as a pastoral staff through uh, the last names. So this last week, we prayed through all of the S's in our church. And then we write out to those people that have the last name of S that we prayed for you. So we're slowly moving you. So if you're a, a T or a Y, like we're getting there, okay? So many people write back, thank you so much. This is what I'm walking in. I was having the worst day until I heard this. There's, there's just so much lament that is happening all around us. We question what's going on. We like to hide from those things in our lives. We pretend, we get angry, we get sad, we get depleted. And we often 
ask the question, what happens then when it feels like the pain that we experience in our lives, our own brokenness is too great to avoid or ignore? It is exactly in those seasons where the language of lament is crucial for how we learn to walk hand in hand with Jesus through times of darkness and despair. Because we live in a broken world and we will experience grief and suffering and despair and sickness and guilt over our sin and heartache over how our sin hurts others and God. And it's okay to have these feelings. But we as Christ followers hold those feelings in tension with the joy that can only be found in the person of Jesus, who can, which can transcend all of our circumstances. I was just uh, uh, gathered together with a group of uh, people praying for someone in their home um, as they're journeying through this journey of cancer. And they were lamenting and expressing their, their grief and their anxiety and some of their fears of this journey that they're walking in. And at the same time, they were expressing joy. They were expressing joy over what God has been doing in their lives and how God's presence has come alongside them and sustains them in very powerful ways. And they feel his presence with them in their suffering. God invites us to lament, to lament sickness, to lament sin, to lament death. Things are not the way they should be. That is the reality of our world. And lamenting reminds us of the broken, sinful world in which we live and our own sin. And so that's why next week we're going to come together and we're going to gather together and we're going to lament over the brokenness of our world. But for this weekend, as we enter in, the psalm that we're going to look at is a specific type of lament that focuses on lament over our sin, our own sin. So if you have your Bible with, uh, with you, our uh, Bible app, turn with me to Psalm chapter 38, which was read uh, so great uh, earlier. And we're going to look at this cry for God not to forsake this person. And it's a prayer that they are beginning to pray. And this Psalm right from the start is the lament of an individual. So turn with me to Psalm uh, chapter 38. So in this Psalm, the psalmist is in physical, emotional, and psychological pain. And they turn to God for help. And he knows that his suffering is a result of his sin. And so he turns to the only one who can truly help him. Now, traditionally, Psalm 38 has been classified as what's called a penitential psalm. Now, there's seven of them throughout the Psalms, and we're going to look at probably another one uh, next weekend. But a penitential psalm really is sorrow over sin and spiritual failure. And that's what they are. And you can look these up. You can take a picture of that and you can go through some of these. And these are some of the psalms that we have that help us understand the words of lament. And so that's what we're going to enter into. And so in Psalm 38, we see that this person is in pain. And the psalmist is in a rush to ask God that he would hold back his anger towards him. So right from the start, he's pleading with God in verse one, God, do not rebuke me or discipline me. And he knows he's suffering because God is disciplining him. In verse two, your arrows have sunk into me. 
and your hand has come down on me. Now, unlike Job, he, this author, he knows full well that he deserves what he's getting. Now, this is very important for us to understand that the Bible makes it very clear that not all suffering is caused by sin. I'm going to repeat that. Not all suffering is caused by sin. Nor does all sin immediately or inevitably to suffering, at least not in this life. But the Bible does teach that sin can lead to suffering and affliction. And so he talks about how much he truly is hurting. He's physically hurting. He's mentally hurting. He feels sick and overwhelmed by guilt. Have you ever felt that way? Sick and overwhelmed by guilt? I can attest to that. Verse three, there's no soundness in my flesh. My iniquities have gone over my head. They weigh like a burden too heavy for me. Pain and guilt can cause a person to actually flee from God. It's so painful. But the psalmist, what does he do? He instead turns to God. He continues the description of his suffering here with an emphasis on his emotions. He exposes his struggle to God through his sighing. That long, deep, audible breath expressing sadness and tiredness. You ever heard someone sigh? I have teenagers. There's a lot of sighing in our house. That deep, audible. <sighs> That's what's happening here. The situation has completely sapped him of strength. How am I actually going to carry on? In these and the previous verses, the psalmist has given a vivid account of the effects of anxiety caused by his guilt. And this guilt has actually stunned and incapacitated him. He can't even hear. He can't even speak. But he has not given up hope. He places it on God in verse 15. But it is for you, O Lord, that I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. His pain is about to overwhelm him completely. He staggers, but he has not yet fallen. Though he's on the brink, his pain, both emotional and physical, is chronic. Verse 17, my pain is ever with me. Do you just hear the lament in his voice? He has sinned, but he is now going to do something very radical. He's going to confess and own up to his sin. Verse 18. I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. The psalmist ends with this final appeal to God to help him in the midst of his struggles. And the good news is, friends, that God meets us right where we are at today in the person of Jesus Christ, right in our brokenness, right in our sin, right in our suffering. And although God's eternal love is sufficient unto himself, I love how Karl Barth says this in The Humanity of God. He says, he, God, 
wants in his freedom actually not to be without humans, but with them. And in the same freedom, not against them, but for them. God is a God who is with and for humanity. There are a lot of people today who believe that God is against them. Please hear that today. That is not true. Because in Jesus, he affirms us. He is concerned about us. He stands up for us. That's why we even sang earlier uh, today, never once did I ever walk alone. God is faithful. He cares for us in the midst of our pain and suffering, our sin, not apart from them. And so the posture that we see here is that the psalmist, he comes to a place of repentance. He throws himself on the grace of God who has the power to actually free us from the pain of sin, free us from the pain of guilt and death because of his finished work on the cross. Just read chapter 10 in Hebrews. It talks all about what Jesus did on the cross for us. This is the gospel, the good news that we proclaim as a church, that in Christ, he is making all things new. He is freeing us from our guilt and sin. And this is how wonderful God is. He has opened the door for us through his body and his blood so that we can, as the hot, as the author of Hebrew writes, approach God with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And so we are going to come to this table and tend to the presence of Christ here in this place, that our eyes would be opened and that we would know his presence here in a very powerful and special way. And the first time that this was reported post-resurrection was on the road to Emmaus when Jesus joined the two disciples on his walk. And on this day of his resurrection, as they came near their village, they invited Jesus to join them for a meal. And they invited him into his home, into their home. And this meal always happened around a table. And while they were at this table, Jesus took the bread he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And what does it say? Their eyes were opened in that moment to his presence. So also today, Jesus' presence is known in the breaking of bread, his body broken for you and for me. And forgiveness for our sin comes through the poured out blood on our behalf. And so as we come to this table, we must tend to this special presence that we are coming together as a family because his presence in this meal always brings reordering for our lives together in his kingdom. We cannot come to this table without an ability to be in God's presence and be reordered to the new life that he's called us to. This is what makes the table so revolutionary. It is here as we come to this table that God shapes us as his people to be his kingdom in the world. And so as we come to experience the presence of Christ by his spirit, he will reveal our brokenness. He will insist renewed commitment on our behalf. 
and it will order our lives into the kingdom because Jesus says the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. So we're going to come to this table and to bring all of your emotions of, of guilt and sin and suffering and bring them to Jesus where he will cleanse you and he will forgive you. And we do this together as a community, as we enter into this season of Lent, that we are revealed our own frailties and our own brokenness. And we bring that to Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, on these gifts of bread and wine. And we pray that you would make them for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What a beautiful picture to come to receive from Jesus and to, to witness the family of God working together to get to the elements and the patience of coming to that. Well, at our Ash Wednesday service, everyone uh, received a, a stone. And uh, we were encouraged to write down on a stone uh, a temptation or a challenge that we wanted to uh, offer over uh, to God uh, throughout these 40 days that we wanted to give to him. And, and we wanted to raise this Ebenezer, which is uh, a stone of help. Um, and we cry out to God that he will come and rescue us. And so if you did, weren't able to come on Ash Wednesday and you didn't get one, you can go to our info uh, uh, desk out here and we have some uh, that you could, uh, you could grab one and still participate and then bring this stone back on Good Friday as we come on Easter weekend. Uh, we're also going to be reading through the Gospel of Mark. Um, and so as a, as a church through this land, we have a reading uh, guides printed. Um, they're out at our info desk. You can also just go to this QR with your phone. Just uh, open up your camera, take a picture. It'll take you right to our Lent page on our website where we have all this information available for you. And we invite you to journey together as we walk through this season of Lent, as we read uh, the scripture of Mark uh, together. So as we come to our close of our service, I invite you to stand for our closing benediction. Our service isn't over. It's an opportunity to connect with one another, to go out in the Cardo area, to talk, to share life together as we enter this season of Lent uh, together on this journey. And so this is a benediction taken from Hebrews chapter 12. Now, friends, as we go from here, let us rid ourselves of every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily impedes our progress. And let us run the race that God has set before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. And as we run, Know that the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the presence of the Holy Spirit is with you always. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great long weekend.